0: I'm your host Sylvia, and you're listening to the Music Secrets Exposed podcast. Welcome everybody to this special podcast. I have a fascinating character with me today. His name is Julian Lambert, and he's from the southeast of England. I came across his videos on YouTube as I was searching for some reference material for students that were finding challenges with doing their graded exams, and I came across his videos now. As I've referenced before in this podcast, I'm a pianist and Julian also is a pianist and I really enjoyed watching his presentation style, his ability to really show those novice intermediate students how to handle different aspects of exam pieces. And this interview today is a very topical interview because we're in the exam period, I suppose the most busy exam periods of each year, of each uh, academic year. Julian, welcome to this podcast. Thank you for taking the time out.
1: My my pleasure, Sylvia. Thank you for uh, inviting me along.
0: No problem at all. It's my pleasure, to be honest, because I think your work is fantastic on YouTube, to be honest. Um, Now, I'd love to find out your story. Now, I'm from Ireland, and we're great storytellers, and we love a story. So what's your story about music? How did you begin into this whole world of music, and what's your history?
1: Um, I suspect, like like many people, I started as a child and there was music in the family. My my elder brother played the piano and uh, perhaps he saw me as a bit of a project, but he started teaching me and I sort of got into it that way. And then I sort of, you know, he, whether he he didn't like teaching me after a while, but it was decided that I ought to have proper lessons rather than just footling around with my, my brother So then I sort of went back to basics and went to a a proper teacher out somewhere in the town. And uh, I've always been drawn to it. It it hasn't been a struggle. I suppose that there have been times as a child where I didn't want to do it. And back in the days of my brother teaching me, I remember he created a big chart. And if I practice such and such, I might get a penny at the end of the week. And there were all sorts of initiatives like that. (laughs) When I look back at it now, I think you know, surely, wh- why did I need that? Because I, I almost need to play the piano now. I I can't imagine life without it. But in those early days, yes, I needed a bit of a prod because there were other things that I would have rather do or probably just loll about and do nothing. So so that was useful. Um, and then, so then I, I, I took piano lessons and um, enjoyed the journey thereafter and very soon got
0: hooked. It's great when you have a family member who's in the same zone as yourself. You don't Feel, I suppose, so isolated. I would have been the total opposite. I'd have been isolated in my own corner, if you will. So leading from your childhood into your teens and into university, was music a university subject for you?
1: Yes, yes, it was. I followed the, the A B R S M grade route <laughs> and uh at A levels decided really the only thing I really enjoyed in life was music. The rest of it was all a bit of a flaff. So at university, I went to, I didn't go to music college, I went to university in Liverpool, studied music. Um, it was, It was. there were bits of it I enjoyed, bits of it I frankly could have done without, but hey, I spent a lot of my time in practice rooms, sat at a piano, working things out, and really playing the piano was was my, the key aspect of that course that I enjoyed.
0: It's interesting that you reference the Associated Board, because I would view the theory syllabus of the Associated Board as a very good syllabus for students to undertake, even now, in our day, as we say now. Do you agree with that, or what's your opinion?
1: I absolutely think that one needs to study theory alongside learning the practicalities of of playing an instrument. Um, And in Europe, I lived in France for a bit, in France, for example, they used to have a system whereby you had to study music theory on its own for a while, before you started to touch an instrument. I think that's taking it a step too far. I think the two can marry themselves uh, very closely together. Um, And I think the piano specifically is a very good instrument to be playing because it's a visual aid for understanding music theory. The, The notes of our system are laid out in front of you. So you can see scale patterns and you can see chord patterns and it all makes sense. Um, I absolutely believe in, in studying music theory, yes. You you said um, that you like the ABRSM. I don't specifically like the ABRSM more than any other theory syllabus. Um, and any exam syllabus is just taking us on a step stepping stone's journey to acquire knowledge. And whether that's ABRSM Trinity or any other, it doesn't really matter in my view.
0: Yeah, I suppose here in Ireland, you see the systems here in Ireland are quite different to the UK systems. And I favour, personally, I favour the UK system based, or I should say, in contrast to the Irish systems here. Said before, I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly with everything here. Um, I find it so useful and it gives a great foundation to students. So it's it's one of my kind of go-to places for theory at the moment.
1: The one aspect of theory that I like to introduce to go alongside, to expand on the ABRSM is the notion of you know, using terminology like chord one, chord two, chord four, chord five,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, uh, in addition to the technical name, subdominant dominant tonic, um, and the notion of, of a, a dominant seventh chord being a C7, so, so there, there, there are, one could expand on the theory syllabuses that exist already.
0: Oh, for sure, and I think, like when you move away from piano and you think of instruments like guitar and those other instruments mm. that's, that's a useful skill for sure um, i'm so curious, given your history what's your favorite musical genre? <laughs>
1: um, I think a lot of musicians would say the same as probably what i 'm about to say. I like whatever i'm whatever i 'm listening to at, at the moment if it 's something i 've chosen to listen to that is <laughs> i I struggle with. It, you know, sort of r- rock music that doesn't seem to go anywhere, that seems to have an, a- uh, an emphasis on it's on volume and speed. Uh, other than that, ah, you know, of things that involve the piano is what I'm drawn to most. For example, if uh, I asked my speaker to play a Spotify, my Discover Weekly playlist, it would have quite a lot of guitar music in it. Mm-hmm. It would have a lot of jazz music, a lot of lighter music. Um, so a lot of my listening is actually more to other things rather than piano music, possibly because I can sit down and play that for myself. Although not if it's very tricky.
0: It was very interesting. I was researching there in the last couple of days about flow state and very often when you look at advanced um, musicians, if they're really extraordinary, they have this knack of getting into what is known as the flow state. and what you're saying there about exposing yourself to different forms of music is a great thing to do because you're getting out of your own specialism and that brings in this idea of learning new things and new ideas of creativity which can trigger the flow state which is amazing a scientific fact neuroscience but um and I'll put Mm, that into the blog in reference with this podcast more information about that but I have noticed Mm. that Students struggle to perform and they struggle to get into the flow state once they've their technique nailed down and it's something that I'm going to be looking into in more depth.
1: But but I would would add one other point to the question you made a moment ago is that when I am sat at the piano about music that I like and it's touching on I think what you're saying. I often think in terms of how it would sound if it were orchestrally arranged. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm thinking perhaps vocally, you know, if a singer was singing this, how would they phrase it? Where would they breathe? And where would right. the climax of the phrase yeah. be?
0: I completely agree with that because that's what phrasing is about, really, isn't it? Giving the music breath. Mm, yes. Well. yes. Yeah. yeah, very
1: interesting. And, and, and artic, articulation can often be informed by if I think, you know, if a string quartet were playing this. Mm-hmm. You know, would the would the cellist be playing this with the same bow direction, but just stopping the bow? You know, and that can inform our articulation on the piano.
0: Very clever, very clever. Now, this is another interesting question that really us Irish people love to find out about. The biggest achievement of your life, and possibly the sorest failure, if you're willing to share such a story.
1: the <laughs> well, biggest achievement is obviously the creation of my two darling children. <laughs> Huge. But that's not what—that's not what you want to know, um, because musical achievement—I um, haven't thought about this at all. I think the biggest achievement is what it. it I don't have one because it's—I'm it's, constantly moving on. The journey of learning anything has to be a lifelong journey, and you—you never get to the end of it. Be the pianist I want to be. So pianistically, um, it, what I'm doing now is what I'm what I'm achieve, achieve achieving. Whether it's chattering to you producing my latest video, I'm always putting, trying to do it as well as I possibly can. Mm. Um, And if I look back simply at my YouTube videos, I look back at the ones three or four years old with a bit of a cringe and think, oh my gosh, it's dreadful. (laughs) And I like to think that my latest stuff is my greatest achievement.
0: Did you ever Uh, have a kind of a, a cringing music story that you had to recover from?
1: Yes, I do. I do have one. And I'm not quite sure now, because it, it, it's going back in time, whether it's just a dream, a nightmare, or whether it really happened. But I think it really did happen. Well, I know it did. <laughs> but I like, I like to convince myself it perhaps didn't really happen. I, I was living in France at the time. And I had been, I did some accompanying work, asked to accompany a choir, a, a piece by Four I can't remember what it was. And it was actually really tricky. Um, but I hadn't sort of comprehended that it was quite tricky. And it was all a bit last minute and <laughs> you can imagine where the story's going. And I pitched up at the concert and I got lost. Uh, I hadn't run it through with the choir. We had a rehearsal for, let's say, half an hour before, you know, and then a quick cup of tea before the concert kind of thing. Completely missed the rehearsal because I got lost, didn't know where it was. And uh, pitched up and just had to do it for the thing. And basically couldn't play it and it was a bit of a nightmare.
0: <laughs> It actually happened to me one time. Oh my goodness! I'll never forget it. It was probably um, the most cringiest moment of my life.
1: I had been asked to play for a wedding. I thought I was providing background music, so I went with my sort of jazz standards, you know, book and a few other things, and I thought, you know, chit chat, and I can just sort of rattle through this stuff. I go to the wedding. It's after the wedding. The the groom and the bride are sitting, pride of place. All the guests seated, complete silence. And now we're going to have a recital by Julian Abbott. And I'm thinking, what? I haven't planned a (laughs) recital? What are you going to play to us, sir? So uh, 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 again, that really happened, but I like to think it's just a nightmare.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those events very often. Like, I had two stories. One was playing at a concert, which I wasn't prepared for properly for various reasons. And it was just like the worst nightmare and another one then was i was trying to use a keyboard and i was a student at this time like kind of a young student and i was in a church setting and i was trying to use the background tracks built into the keyboard to kind of coordinate the rhythm with the hymn that was being played at the time to try and give it a bit of life the two didn't match it was just it was just the world's worst sound unbelievable and everybody was sort of looking at me to know what was she going to do next? And you're kind of going, oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so...
1: It's interesting that the, the, both of our stories relate to performance nightmares. When you're out there doing something that where people are expecting you to do X and, in fact, you'd prepared for Y or...
0: <laughs> performance, you see, I, I think it's, in my own opinion, and this is a personal opinion, and this could only be because, of, well personal opinion because of my experience put it this way is that I think tutors need to spend more time helping students pre- prepare suitably for a performance so as they're ready for the various nuances that can happen and I think it's one missing component in lessons that I think um, tutors miss out on in my own story I never was assisted in that regard like how do you actually go into an exam hall and perform suitably given that there might be noises around you that could distort your playing or the movement of people or something outside your window I had a story one time of a student who was going to uh, do her exam the venue was in a hotel the hotel in question was supposed to be beautiful and quiet however that day there was some crazy building work outside the window the noise was terrible It completely destroyed her performance so obviously that was a learning curve for me as a tutor that I had to realize well my job is not only to get the music ready with the student but also to help them be ready for all these other nuances if you will and I take that as part of my yes. own so I think it's something that's missing I can't speak for every tutor but I just in my own experience I haven't seen any guidelines concerning that because performance on a stage, if you're doing a wedding or you're doing playing with a choir or you're just doing a recital, well, that's a different set of circumstances. And then you move into the exam situation, which is the current time of year now. And that's another circumstance to itself.
1: But There's a lot to be said, I think, for uh, teachers to to give their students an opportunity to do dummy run exams, especially in the yeah. early days, grades one, three, where, where the whole world of walking through a room is is new. Is, is new. Yeah. And in those circumstances, you know, doing a trial exam, let's say three, four weeks before the real one, um, yes. pref- possibly, ideally, with even a, a stranger in the room to give it that extra sense of, oh, gosh, I've got, to, I've got to really step up to the mark here.
0: Would you have any opinions or advice or thoughts about group activities and their value? Because this is another aspect to music, which I see here in my country. In some cases, group activities are easy to access. For example, if you study Irish music, as an example, that's going to be typically a group situation. Usually you'll do your own private study and then you'll go into the group situation. Whereas if you're studying something like piano and you're going to lessons every week, it's very much one to one basis You might be looking if you get a concert opportunity, but in this other aspect of group connection, group activity, jamming together, all that experience can be lost a bit. So what are your thoughts about that?
1: Yes, you're right. And in a way, the piano is the ultimate play with other people instrument because it's accompanying singers. It can accompany every instrument and it can be part of a band, as you've just described. But at the same time, actually finding those opportunities are very difficult, partly because our instrument isn't portable. Um, I think playing playing duets is a, is a great way in. Um, the the TomPlay app might be useful. Have you come across that, Sylvia?
0: No, I haven't actually, no.
1: It, it's an um, an app. I don't know that much about it and I can't claim to use it or regularly, or with any frequency. It's an app that you can download. And my understanding is that you'll hear performances of let's say violin pieces or pop music or uh, flute music, and you can be the pianist to accompany them. There are also many piano piano duets there as well. Um, So that's a a useful tool.
0: Of course, the two of us are pianists. So that's what we clearly reference to be our thing, of course. But I'm also thinking of other instrumentalists as well, because I've seen it happen with other learners, if you will. The same problem, meaning that there's this idea of isolation that they have difficulty in accessing group activities, this community based group activity, because I think getting in the same room with other musicians, there's nothing like it
1: no you're absolutely right i mean well the, the, the other thing is to join a choir if you're whatever instrument you're playing, you we all have our voice, and you know, as a as a pianist primarily. I would get a huge amount of value from singing in a local choir.
0: Choirs are such fun. They're such fun. Now, we're heading into the summer season, and I have seen students, unfortunately, throw music to the side for the summer when the sunshine appears, and then suddenly they're back into the August-September period of returning into the academic season. So have you any advice for finding tutors for would be students or students looking to change like what question should they ask you think um, finding a tutor who can push young students through exams at least having that goal at the end of the year in place is a good idea do you think theory is an important part of music learning should that be included because i hear some musicians proudly claiming that music theory they never studied and they can't read a piece of sheet music and yet they're successful musicians But we're saying the opposite. We're saying music theory, for example, is an important aspect to the learning of music. So if I was a parent and I was looking for a tutor, what kind of questions might I ask, do you think?
1: Well, you could, for example, is your exam season going to have to be at the end of the year? Uh, But if you put if you. Take your exams at the end of the summer term. Now, what you're you're saying, then there will be a natural won't there, a sort of sense of oh, done my exam, let's flag over the summer. And then you get the sort of you know retrograde step back and said we have to go through stuff again. If you, for example, your teacher takes has an exam session in the autumn term, then it that creates a, a motivation for working during the long summer break. Another way round that is to introduce concerts in the autumn term so that there are clear goals. The whole, any exam system, theory or practical, is about creating baby steps, not baby steps, just steps on a journey of learning. And we need to make sure that there are still some steps beyond that summer term to create motivation during the summer holidays.
0: Yes, I think so that's a great point, actually, doing exams in the autumn. I have found very much that, um, in my experience, most tutors would put their students through exams in the summer term. And it was only mm. doing maybe repeat, repeated exams in November that maybe they weren't happy with in the summer season. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I have, I've actually witnessed that, that doing the exams in the November period, or whatever is a great solution to keeping the momentum going.
1: It's a very valid point. Allied mm. to that is the notion of what I would want to ask a teacher is how how long do you think it will take for my child to prepare for an exam? How long does the average the take for take the average student? My personal belief is that these exams should come as a as a at the end of a period of study, where you're studying things that aren't just the exam pieces. Mm-hmm. So that the exam itself is put together, and I'm talking about in terms of pieces and scales and all the whole baggage, is put together really quite quickly. So for an early grade, one and two, that might mean it's going to be put together within about six, seven weeks. If it's going to take much longer than that, should we ask ourselves, well, does my child really want to be playing just three pieces for six months
0: I've met that challenge here very much that all the academic year has been completely focused on exam preparation and nothing else was achieved and which then at the very end of the period of study whether you finish a grade five or grade eight or whatever it is and for our American friends just to explain this the UK system is broken into eight grades And that's what we're referencing here, grades one through grade eight. And in grade eight, then would get you into a good position if you want to go into further advanced study. The American systems, I believe, are different. But the systems that I have seen here where I am is that very often you have students just focused on their exams and that's it. And I think that's why I've come out a lot in my blog and I've spoken about these other points to music that are very often missing, such as the community context, the importance of music theory study, the importance of exposing yourself to other genres of music and expanding your horizons. That's probably the motivation of why I've come out and and spoken about all these points.
1: I would add to that list um, improvisation and creativity. amount of value from sitting at a piano and trying to work out the, a tune.
0: And this is where music theory comes into a huge play, is when you're doing your improvisation or you want to jot down a thought or a note or something, or you're trying to copy something you've heard and you want to develop it, or... You know, it's it's just it just is like this jigsaw puzzle and all the pieces come in and then suddenly it starts all to make sense.
1: Yes. Music too, is it, is it a bit like you can't learn to read unless you study the alphabet? And, that's and it, it, that's
0: it. Same, that's exactly
1: same
0: Now, would you have any other things you would like to share about the world of music? <laughs> a of advice for people to pick up on? Music is fantastic for quality of life, for community building, for mental health, particularly the days that we're going through these times.
1: I, I, I teach a lot of... I know a lot of your emphasis, Silver, is on um, the early stages, especially with children. I think I, I teach a lot of yeah. ad, 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 adults, and my own perception is that as adults, very often have already formed their views of what they like and what they don't like. It's part of being an adult, isn't it? Yes. Um, so a, an adult learner needs to try and strip that away. That sense of oh, I know what I like, and what I want to do is this, and sort of open up their minds. They discover all sorts of music, and for a ch- for a child that is slightly innate. They will you know, attack a bit of Pouperin with a bit of Coldplay, you know, really quite probably quite easily because they won't be making the distinctions of what they like or don't like. Um, and that, that's part of the fun of teaching children. You feel you can, you've got a huge, um, huge amount of stuff you can tackle. You with. Can just
0: open up these doors of of just unbelievable no end to the knowledge that you can present to them you know it's you can take it where you like really in ways now where can people find you julian online you have your youtube channel i link it into the blog at blog.musicsecretsexposed.com but have you any other social media platforms or
1: the place to 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 find out more about what i do would be through my youtube channel and from from there my website which is a, a source for finding material And uh, for those that like what they see, my Patreon page.
0: Well, listen, thank you for your time today, Julian. It was wonderful speaking to you.
1: My pleasure, Sylvia. Thank you very much.
0: You can find out about Julian on his website at julianlambert.org. All his pages are linked from there. I will include the links in my blog at blog.musicsecretsexposed.com and also here in the podcast description.